All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to episode one of Frankly Speaking, the inaugural edition of our weekly one-on-one interview series with some of the biggest names in the hockey world. We'll have Los Angeles Kings head coach Todd McClellan coming up in a bit. But first, I need to tell you that Frankly Speaking is presented by ProLine Plus, not just another sports book. It's the only sports book that gives 100% of its profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. That's right. Our first guest on Frankly Speaking is Kings coach Todd McClellan. He has been consecutively behind an NHL bench since 2005, making this his 18th straight season in the NHL and his 15th consecutively as a head coach with stops in San Jose, Edmonton, and now in his fourth season with the Los Angeles Kings. Let's jump right in. Todd McClellan, I've always wanted to ask this question, but never really found the right forum to do it. And I want to know, what is a head coach's game day routine in the NHL? Do you like, what do you do in the afternoon between morning skate and game time? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I can only speak for myself. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what other coaches do, but in, in my world, uh, up real early, 
start preparing for the game. A lot of that work's done the day before, but uh, the, the mental aspect for the coaching staff, how are we going to approach it? What are the meetings going to look like for the day? Uh, what individuals do we need to meet with or groups of players? And uh, then we lay it all out. And when the team arrives, whether it's at home or on the road, we'll have our, uh, our power play meeting uh, in the morning is how we do it. Uh, and then we, uh, we go home or we go back to the hotel, um, do our thing there. Uh, it's a real brief stay for me. Uh, I have trouble resting in the afternoon. I don't know if my mind is, is working or if I'm a little bit anxious or nervous, but uh, I'll try and lay down maybe for 15 minutes, close my eyes and, and rest. And then it's back to the rink and, and continue on from there. Once we arrive at the arena, uh, we're in game mode then. Um, we still have a couple meetings to uh, present to the, the team, penalty kill and, and five on five. Uh, but there's where we'll talk a lot about matching and and what the other team's going to try and get against us and how we're going to counter it. And uh, then the game starts. And it's just one day after another. That's what we do. Yeah. So almost 1,100 NHL games in as a head coach. You mentioned nerves. Like, do you still get them? Uh, fortunately, I do. I think that's a good thing for a coach. Uh, if I didn't have them, I think I'd be a little bit worried about my uh, either my preparation or my commitment, but I, I still get a little bit anxious before the games. Um, it's a different um, nervousness, I think, after you have a lot of experience. Um, you tend to have a little more confidence in the decisions you're making. You feel better about them. You're a lot more direct uh, with experience. You're not so worried about repercussions whether it's uh with management players fans media people uh you make your decisions and you and you go on uh as a younger coach at least in my situation i think those were always in the back of my mind what was uh what were my bosses going to think what were the players going to think um and basically that's called experience that's why you coach for a long time and you feel good about uh your past and you draw on it and then you make decisions and you go so what does post-game look like? How do you, you mentioned the experience and how that's helped you maybe from a nerves perspective, but how do you unwind after a game? Well, I have a, I have a rule there. Very rarely, very, very rarely do I ever go in after the game and speak to the players. There has to be something really uh, unique, either positive or negative for me to go in and, and address the group. Uh, that's their time. Um, I learned in junior that sometimes uh, as a coach, I was too high or too low after the game and probably said some things that I'd like to take back. Um, and the last thing we are as coaches is perfect. There's things that we miss in the game. So it's really important for myself and our staff to go back and look at things again and, and really evaluate what happened before we begin to address either positively or negatively the group. Um, so I stay away from the uh, away from the players that's their time that's their space um, and then post game obviously we've got to deal with uh, with the media um, with medical reports um, reviewing it as a staff and and with our manage management team and uh, then we move on to the next city and do it all over again so put me in that coach's room after a game win or loss you guys are chopping up the game and I don't mean video wise, but you're talking about how things worked and, and didn't work. What, what's it like in there? And are you, are you having a beverage? Like what's the scene like? 
Um, you know what? Probably in the olden days, there were there were beverages floating around, but uh, uh, you know, there's still the odd beer that's available. But guys tend not to, uh, at least in our in our locker room or our office after the game, tend not to uh, to indulge. Uh, but there's there's conversation. Um, you know, we're we're either on a bit of a high or, or obviously a bit of a low. Uh, what's interesting for us is we we evaluate the game. Coaches evaluate the game based on the whole, um, on all 20 players, on all structures and systems. Uh, a lot of times the players will start with themselves, and that's okay. That's just the way it works. Um, so they look at their ice time. They look at how they, they individually were used. Um, you know, were they comfortable with their individual game? And then it expands out to the team. Um, that's just human nature. That's the way it is. Um, and we do it the other way. We look at the group and evaluate the power play, the penalty kill. How was our forecheck? Um, and then look at individuals. So that's where player coach disconnect happens. Uh, but it's our job, not the player's job, to put it all back together and recognize they have. Um, individual needs and wants that do exist in a, in a team game. And uh, after the game, sometimes we're talking about some of those situations. Um, players have emotional moments. Players um, have wants and needs at certain times in a game. And we can't always satisfy them as coaching staff, but that doesn't mean uh, it's good or bad. It just means it needs to get addressed at some point. And uh, we're talking about that already after a game. Mm-hmm. Rick Tockett was introduced as the new coach in Vancouver this week. And one of the things that he said in his press conference that caught my eye was you need to spend time around the coffee machine and talking to these guys. I'm assuming that's at the practice rink, but where do you get the pulse of the team? Obviously the travel is one thing, seeing the guys being around everyone, but when you're at home for an extended period of time, how do you keep you know, the locker room is their space. How do you talk to these guys? Where do you talk to these guys? Do they just pop into your office? How does it work? Well, that has changed as well over years. Um, You know, I I always use the reference when I was in in elementary school or high school, and if I heard over the uh, loudspeaker, would uh, Todd McClellan please report to the principal's office? Uh, It usually didn't mean good things, and I was nervous about it. And, uh, I don't want our players to feel that way. So um, if I bring them into my, my office, if I request the player to come in and sit with me, sometimes it is direct and it's not good. Uh, that needs to happen. But I also create the environment there where they can come in and uh, I reward them for some of the things that we've asked them, that individual to do. I'll show them, hey, you know what? It's going good. We've asked you to do these things. Keep doing them. Uh, proud of you, that type of thing. So try and balance um uh, positive and negative as much as we can. But uh, truth be known, I think that our assistant coaches um, do more of the um, surveillance, if you will, around the locker room uh, than the head coach does. Uh, I I leave them in their space. I do walk through. I say good morning to everybody. Uh, I grab my coffee. I hear things as I'm walking by, but it's none of my business, really. They're talking about personal things. and But the assistant coaches will do a lot of the uh, – uh, sitting with them and having lunch and, and uh, talking to them about uh, uh, the game and the, the, the situations. And then we share that. And uh, it doesn't mean I don't communicate. I just communicate in a space outside of theirs. It could be on the ice. It could be bus. It could be on the plane. Uh, but I try and give them their space as much as I can. 
So you were an assistant once, obviously in Detroit, winning the Stanley Cup in 2008. You're part of the Mike Babcock coaching tree, and then you've got your own with Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton, and and Todd Richards, of course, was a head coach in his own right. Um, you know, when when you talk about an inner circle of people that you rely on as you're coaching in LA, when when you want to bounce something off of someone, who's in your group that you regularly talk to and communicate with? Well, it's not always part of uh, the hockey world for me. Um, I, I have some people outside the hockey world that uh, may be involved in other sports, uh, have managed. Uh, um, Ned Coletti is a prime example. Ned Coletti is a scout for the, the San Jose Sharks right now. And he was a manager of the LA Dodgers. I met him years and years ago um, in San Jose. We've kept a great relationship. And sometimes I can talk to him about certain situations or scenarios that are occurring um, with an individual player or a contract issue and how it affects the team because he's lived it with another sport. Uh, so not always is a coach's network hockey-based. Um, I think it's healthy to have people outside the hockey environment in the world to talk to. But um, I'm fortunate to be in Los Angeles right now with a general manager who happened to play for me. And that is a very, very unique situation. Um, Rob and I, I can read Rob's emotional level. Uh, I saw it as a player. I see it as a manager. And I think he can read mine. Uh, so our relationship's pretty good that way. He also understands, uh, now things have changed, but he also understands what we're trying to accomplish and how we go about doing it. Um, so I feel good talking to the, my boss, uh, the manager of our team, because he's played for me in the past. It's very unique. Uh, I'm not sure that a lot of other coaches have that opportunity, um, but it's, it's something that I really value, and I think it's allowed us to to work very well together. And then there's numerous other coaches that uh, that I talk to and and visit with often on the road. Uh, Peter DeBoer has become a, a close friend and a confidant of mine. I, I think John Tortorella, I think the world of him. Um, met him at All Star Game in Ottawa many years ago. Him and his wife, and incredible couple, an unreal human being. Um, this guy cares more than anybody, uh, about his players and about the game. Uh, and he's an OBS guy. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. And I, I really appreciate that in him. Yeah. And Torts, of course, has been no stranger to the odd headline, especially this season. I'm not going to dive into his decision-making process, but I wanted to get your take on two things that he's talked about. One, he's banned iPads from the bench. I want your thoughts on that. And two, he is a he is uh, totally against the idea of morning skates. Would like to ban morning skates. What go, iPads? Um, where do you stand on them? iPads. Uh, I think you've got to know your team. Um, I think you have to know the individuals on it. Uh, I followed his comments and his uh, decision and in, in why he was doing it. it makes perfect sense to me. Um, there's teams that are at different stages of evolution. There's teams that use these tools, whether it's analytics, iPads, um, in a good way or a bad way. And you have to know your group. And um, our group uses the iPads. I don't sense that we have the same problems that maybe uh, Torts had mentioned with with his team. Um, so we allow them to happen, but I would have no problem getting rid of them if I felt like it was, uh, 
a distraction for our group. As far as uh, pregame skates, we use them basically uh, as an option. Uh, I think we have to provide that for some of the older players that have that in their routine. Um, it's up to them whether or not they want to go out. The only time we have a mandatory pregame skate is when we're coming off an off day. So, for example, we're talking in uh, uh, we're in Philadelphia right now, and, and we have an off day. It's a Monday. Uh, we're going to play against the Flyers tomorrow, Tuesday. We'll go down to the arena and we'll pregame skate. Ours are very simple. They're repetitive. Uh, it's about rhythm and feeling good when you leave. There's there's no um, there's not a lot of energy expended and it just triggers their day. So uh, we're moving further and further away from them, but we still use them because I think there's some players that want them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If Todd McClellan was playing in 2023, would he be taking optional morning skates? Um, I probably would be because when I was playing many, many years ago, it triggered my day. Um, it it was part of my routine. We had no choice then. Uh, it was just what we did. And I think hockey players, for the most part, um, you know, if you've been around for a long, long time, are creatures of habit. They, they do the same things over and over again. Um, we try and actually share this with some of our younger players. I remember Nick Lidstrom when I was in Detroit. You could find Nick Lidstrom almost in the same spot every day at the same time, taping his stick same way and uh, if it if routine worked for him if it worked for rob blake it might work for some of these younger players as well yeah routine is an interesting thing because then also sometimes you run into a spot right todd where if the slightest thing is off that guy can be thrown off for the day oh absolutely um and that's where the mental strength comes in um you're not always going to get what you want um you know, and it can bleed into the game uh, as far as getting a call or getting the ice time that you want. Um, 
our group talks, uh, we talk a lot about rhythm in the game. Um, sometimes your rhythm as a player is thrown off by coaches trying to get a match. Uh, whistles, um, sometimes there's 70 face-offs in a game. That's a long time to be sitting there waiting for your next chance to go on the ice. But can you manage yourself as an individual and as a team when your play is out of rhythm? Um, you know, so that that we talk a lot about, and it goes back to routine. If your routine isn't the same over and over and over again, doesn't mean you can't perform at a, at a high level. Um, so we've got to be careful with, with routine. We've got to be careful with, uh, with rhythm, but we do address it. We do talk about it. Mm-hmm. You've been in LA now almost or as long as you were in Edmonton, four full seasons. I feel like that kind of goes by um, like the blink of an eye. But you mentioned the relationship you have with Rob and also being on the same page in terms of where this team was at when you first took over and where it is now. And I'm curious how that relates to two guys in particular, as I've watched your team closely in Quentin Byfield and Gabe Velarde. And I think the one thing that kind of stands out as I've looked at both of them is that this team hasn't been afraid to say, you know what, you've been here in the NHL for a bit you've gotten your feet wet, you understand what it's like, but still maybe the best place for you is to go back to the American Hockey League. How do you have that conversation? Because obviously there's disappointment there, but it's ultimately ended up being the best thing. And I think Velarde is proof. Well, it it is. And, you know, the first thing that I would say is that Connor, uh, uh, you know, Connor and, and Austin Matthews and Leon Dreyer, even not even Leon, but uh, Jack Eichel, these uh, three or four players that have come along and been superstars immediately, it's put a lot of pressure on young draft picks. Everybody expects them to come in and, and produce and be the rookie of the year. It doesn't always work that way. It, it, everybody's process is, is at a different pace. Their arrival or due date's at a different pace. And I think that good teams and good organizations uh, swallow their scouting pride, their manager pride, their coaching pride, and take the time to develop players properly. Um, I've been with teams where players have been rushed for whatever reason, whether it was needs or, or whatever else, and it doesn't work. Um, probably a lesson that I learned when I was in um, Detroit was to take Kenny Holland used to say, I'm leaving him down. I'm leaving him down. That individual is going to be more than ready when he comes and be confident so that the coach can use him, that he can be an impact player on the team. And um, we give individuals a reward or a taste every now and then. They come up, apply their trade, and if we think we're, they're ready, we'll keep them. If not, we're prepared to send them back. Um, we believe we have a very strong uh, coaching staff and development team uh, in the American League. And the proof is in the pudding. It's worked for some players. Now, the player, the agent, uh, they're not always happy about it because they obviously want to play in the NHL. Uh, But we're trying to build careers. We're not trying to build short stays. And um, that's just what we believe in. Uh, It's worked for some. Some others, it it hasn't. But uh, the player has a a part in the uh, evolution of his career as well. Right. But how do you juggle that from a coaching perspective? Because we hear all the time, the NHL is not a developmental league. And yet at times you're tasked with managing and, and helping develop this player, you know, take a byfield, for example, 
but you've got him in the lineup at the same time that you're trying to do what's best for your whole team and Kopitar and Dowdy and whoever else it may be. How do you shepherd that process along while you're also trying to win? Well, we, what's interesting, you said that the NHL, it may not be a developmental league. It's a, it's a win now league. Um, I think you're always in development. Um, I think that Ante Kopitar is still developing. The game has changed since he entered the league. Um, and old dogs need to learn new tricks. So we're trying to, to develop uh, Kopi's habits now to, to affect and to fit into our team environment. Um, which sounds really strange because this guy's a Hall of Fame player. He's, uh, he's an incredible uh, leader and, and two-way player, but there's still stuff that we're asking him to do that he didn't do four or five years ago because the game has changed. Can you give me an example? Um, so we're doing that. Uh, well, just our, our tactical or system play. Uh, when we went to um, Los Angeles, they had played a certain way for two cups and a decade and a half or a decade and a quarter with, with Kopi there. Uh, when we went in, we asked him to change the way um, we would play structurally and systematically. And for players that have been on championship teams, that's not an easy thing to do because in the back of their minds, they're sitting there saying, we've done it this way the whole time and we've won. So let's keep doing it. Um, yet you have to change. You have to evolve. Um, Kopi's found himself in a different spot in the power play. Now he used to play in the same spot for years, um, year after year after year, just rinse and repeat. Um, so we're trying to develop and evolve with some of our older players, as well as some of the younger players as we win. So uh, I don't think development ever ceases. Okay. So this may sound like a funny question, but, and not asking for specifics in terms of indi individuals, but which one is harder to mold? Is it the older guy that's, been around and done it a certain way to try and get him to change or the younger guy that's still figuring it out that you can help shape? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can tell you that the older player has confidence. He asks more questions. He may challenge you a bit more in certain situations. Um, he has experience, so he's going to ask maybe more questions. Uh, the younger player um, might not ask the questions, but might not be able to deduct the answers either. So you have to make sure he's getting all the information. I don't know if it's if it's easier one way or the other. Um, I think the young players, the, we'll just use Quentin Byfield, for example, the amount of pressure that's on this young man, um, you know, and thank goodness we're in Los Angeles, still a great mm -hmm. hockey market, but it's not Edmonton. Um, the amount of pressure he's supposed to be the franchise savior and he's 20 years old, still learning how to play the game. And, and we have to take that pressure away from him. Um, Kopi, on the other hand, he's in the prime of his career. Um, and that's fine. I find the older players, the hardest thing to do is to manage them as their careers are winding down. Um, you know, everybody, uh, I don't know who I could use. Uh, Matty Hendricks, in um in Edmonton he was such a great player for us and such a character guy and as the years went on um it got harder and harder for him to play um and yet he was still had the same commitment he still had the professionalism that he always had but the legs were a little bit slower the mind was a little bit slower the body was beat up and 
we can all see it, but sometimes the older player doesn't want to see it. And it's hard. I always say it's harder to leave the league as a 10 or a 15 year veteran than to get into the league uh, because it's, it's happening and right in front of them and they don't even realize it. Um, and nobody really wants to tell them because they, they've been such important players. Yeah. That's a really hard conversation to have. I wanted to ask you, you have boys that are the same age as a lot of your players. Your son Tyson is still playing in Germany. One, how much hockey are you watching in Germany? And two, do you think that having boys that are of the same generation and age as a lot of the players that you're coaching right now, does, do you think that's helped you? I think it's, uh, are you, first of all, uh, Tyson is still playing overseas. Uh, and I watch a lot of his games as, as much as I possibly can. Obviously the time change, uh, most of the time when he's playing, we're, we're practicing. So I've got to watch highlights and, and bits and pieces, but, uh, you know, as far as having, uh, a uh, 23-year-old and a 26-year-old, um, they do keep me current. Um, I thought it was more valuable when they were 18 and maybe 21, uh, but they do keep me current with everything that's kind of going on in the world. I'm not very uh, uh, technologically advanced, uh, so they help me with some of that stuff. Um, even the the slang that the players use, sometimes I got asked Tyson what a certain word means. Um uh, you know, and then I also get to sense his frustration as a player sometimes with his coach and why is this happening? And I sit back and I ask myself, okay, who am I doing this with? Who am I not communicating with? Who am I sending confusing signals to? Um, and why am I doing that? And how is that player reacting? So it allows me to at least reflect on what's going on here in Los Angeles. Um, and I guess the last thing would be is that we watch the game a little bit differently. Um, at least my wife does. Uh, I think I still have a coaching eye when I watch uh, Tyson play, but my wife watches Tyson and then the team. I'll watch Tyson within the team. Um, and a lot of times I've got to tell my wife, you know what? Well, the coach made a decision based on this or that, and she only sees it based on Tyson. So I think that's how parents, agents sometimes, and even fans that have a favorite player watch the game um it's just the way it happens yeah that's amazing and as you reflect i want to leave you with this last question you took over as an nhl head coach at the age of 41 you're still a young man at 55 now but what is one piece of advice you would give a 41 year old todd mcclellan that you know now that you'd tell yourself then um well, I didn't know it, but I, I was lucky enough. Well, I, I thought I knew it at the time, and, and now I can confirm it. But I was lucky enough to be around really good people uh, when I entered the pro game. It started uh, in Minnesota with Doug Risebrough and that whole organization. Uh, uh, I was at the right spot at the right time with the right people to train me to become a pro coach. Uh, when I was done there, I made my move to the NHL as an assistant coach. So I hit the next step and I got to be with an unreal organization um, in Detroit, learned so much around hall of fame players. And then fortunately for me, I ended up in an unreal situation in San Jose um, in my first head coaching position, uh, a exceptional team, uh, really, really good people there that were supportive the whole time I was there. Uh, not every coach gets that, uh, but I would say if you can pick, pick the people 
Um, pick your people, pick people that you want to be around, uh, that you feel comfortable with, that you believe you can talk uh, things through with them. Uh, not all coaches get that luxury. Um, sometimes you go to a situation, you jump at the first one because you don't think the second one will come. Um, fortunately for me, my first one was, was the best spot for me and it's allowed me to stay in the game for a long time. And now you're with those, some of those same people, as you mentioned with Rob Blake in Los Angeles, sometimes it's amazing. It comes full circle. Todd, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Take care. Love the honesty from Todd McClellan there, especially the idea of challenging the notion that the NHL is not a developmental league, saying that, yes, even some of the best players in the world, a Selkie Trophy winner like Anze Kopitar has a ton to learn. They ask him to do new and different things and challenge their players to continue to develop as opposed to getting stagnant. And I certainly don't envy the head coach in that position to be one that's sitting there having to explain or have a conversation like the one that he was referencing with someone like Matt Hendricks from his time with the Edmonton Oilers. That'll do it for episode one, the first edition, the inaugural of Frankly Speaking, presented by our friends at ProLine Plus, not just another sports book. It's the only sports book that gives 100% of its profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.